Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Welcome to Psych in the City. I'm the Psych, Heather Abel, and the city is Hollywood, California. Today, I'm welcoming back a very special guest, Mark Wahlberg from Temptation Island. We were having him for a second time due to popular demand. Welcome, Mark. I'm glad to be a return guest. I, you know, popular demand may only be that you are thinking I'm popular, but I'm glad I'm back. Well, it's my, my 40 listeners wanted you back. Well, you know, between your listeners and my followers, we might hit, you know, you know, four dozen. That's <laughs> awesome. No, it's awesome. I, um, honestly, though, you were very popular with the listeners because you're so sweet and so engaging and so much fun. And, and also, I wanted to have you back because Temptation Island is airing uh, early February. So I thought we'd tell everyone about that for like two seconds. But really, we want to talk about life and and everything else. <laughs> I want to talk about whatever you want to talk about. Nice. Well, I just wanted to say it's the new season. For me, it's season three of Psych in the City um, because I decided to call it that. And <laughs> <laughs> for this season, what I'm going to do is give the, the listeners what they want, which is I'm going to read each guest prior to uh, our bullshitting. Okay. So I thought I would read you today uh first before we start talking to see see if i can kind of figure out what's going on with you before we talk okay do you like that i do like that i'm just gonna breathe into it for a second i breathe into it okay so let's see let's i'm gonna vibrate off of your your energy and we'll just go straight into it so i haven't actually spoken to you since the last interview Um, okay, is dad still alive? Yes. Okay. Dad is, are you the mini-me to dad? Are you similar to dad? I'm similar. Sure, I'm similar. Right. Dad is like a funny guy? He's funny. Because dad is reaching out for, were your parents uh, divorced or together? Divorced. Divorced. Okay, because there's a dad-like figure reaching out for your mother, could be your could be your grandfather, her mother, her father, dad-like figure, funny guy, military. There's a lot of military around you. I'm sorry, I'm, I won't look at you. I'm my eyes closed. But um, it's a military guy. Mom is in heaven, correct? That's correct. Right. Mom is telling me she's reaching out for you. You were close, very close. That's true. Very close. A recent death? Four or five years, six years. Oh, okay. Five years. Okay. Because mom is like, so I'm figuring this out. Mom is a D name? It is. Right. D, it sounds like DD, DD. Is that her name? No, her name's Diane. Diane. Okay. Diane. D close I. enough. I was seeing, close enough. <laughs> yeah, I was seeing the DI, DI, like DD. It's like her father is with her. Was she close with her father? Or were you close with the father? 
Yeah, my grandfather's been gone a long time, but sure, we were close. I was closer with my grandmother, but. Okay, and was he in World War II? He was not. Okay, because there's someone who's a soldier from World War II who is close with you, very close, all the time. My wife's uncle I'm close with, who's a World War II veteran, and he's okay. a lot. Okay, great. And so that's your friend, right? Very close. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, so he's still alive? Mm-hmm. Holy cow. 96. Holy cow. So it's interesting because for you, there's all these people coming at me. There's all these spirits. There's all these people who are alive, all these spirits, all these people. It's like you're so loved. There's so much energy around you. I'm trying to get a harness on it. But let's, do you want to talk to mom? <sighs> okay. No, you don't have to, my love. No, I, I mean, I, it's all deep to me. I, I loved my mom. I love my mom and I miss her. And only last, uh, two nights, uh, last night I had this memory of a terrible day where, uh, my son's graduation, she fell and broke her nose. And it was just a beautiful celebration day that turned, you know, in the hospital and she was gracious and, and handled it, but it made me remember the helpless feeling I felt when, um, I saw her hurt. I think that's why, I mean, she's coming through anyway, but it's like, I think she's telling me that she connected with you in that moment. Was she kind of like hip? She was, um, how would I describe her? Yes, hip, like not old. Like had like shorter hair, cropped? Short like what? a man, short like a man, short. Yes, because I see like this hip hair and this hip, outfits and like she wasn't he was old. a fashion maven right he was in south carolina she was who people went to to she was like a personal dresser for people she that's was, what i'm seeing is south carolina the trees the shrubs the flowers the everything in south carolina that's what i'm seeing yeah so she actually at her funeral people said that you know the fashion of columbia took a dive when she Yes, away. yes, that's her. I'm so seeing her. Less, less hippie and more. No, hip, hip. Vibe like. Like me. Style, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, I love it. Um, do you want to say anything to her? Uh, just that I, I miss you every day, and I love you probably more today than I realized when you were alive. And how many times I pick up the phone and wish I could call you and tell you what's going on and also that I'm sorry that I only picked up the phone to call when I had something to tell you that would make you proud when I didn't feel like I was killing it I didn't I didn't um, communicate as strongly that's that's a regret I would have called her more I think when she I was feeling down she hears and knows everything she says don't you know that I heard and saw everything yeah everything she thought she was an intuitive as well. Well, that's what she's saying. I heard and saw everything. I heard and saw everything. She was an intuitive. That's what she's saying to me. I heard and saw everything. Were you ever in the circus? <laughs> <laughs> what? I'm getting like circus. It could be a past life. Uh, that's, that's my wife's side of the family when it comes to circus. So no, we were never in the circus. But my my wife was in the show Barnum on Broadway and her Mother was a vaudevillian acrobat. Mother Shut up. Yeah. Because the circus is coming through. I'm getting a lot of military energy, circus energy. That's crazy. That is crazy. 
That's crazy. Because I was like, you were a vaudevillian performer in another life is where I was going with it. Well, both my grandparents were in vaudeville as well. Shut up. More headliner musicians, whereas my wife's mother and father. So my grandparents were in vaudeville in the heyday and the early days, like the 1920s, you know, that time. The uh, end of vaudeville, which happened around the 50s, 45, or after World War II, that's when my, uh, before and after World War II is when my wife's mother and father, who are both passed away, were a vaudeville acrobatic comedy team. So they were like a little five minute opening act that they did and uh, toured with that. And so they were more the circus side where my side was more the musician side, but both had roots in vaudeville and uh, live performance. That's so funny because they took me right to the mediumship. They took me right to the your past. I think because we're so such good friends, it's like they they wanted me to just read something that was like obscure and out there, right? Mm -hmm. Okay. Do you have psych? Do you have psychic questions for me? I don't. I mean, you know, I I'm really trying to keep my head these days, Heather. And I could use some advice on this because the world is so overwhelming. There's so much. I feel so much vibe, both negative and positive, that it's really hard to keep my feet on the ground. So the world is in such turmoil that I feel that dissonance almost every second. So, you know, I'd love to know that everything's going to be okay, but I don't, I'm, in other words, what I'm, rather than looking and asking a psychic question, I'm working really hard to stay in this moment right now, right? Because God the future is scary. So I don't know that I want to know I don't know what I want to know. All I know is that I, my heart is heavy. Uh, my energy is pulled. I feel my energy pulled by the national and international, the global concern and fear that is that I feel it. So I've been really trying to be a, um, a channel of calm and a channel of peace, although I failed right. I'm, I reacted right after the insurrection attempt. I reacted pretty hard. Uh, and now I'm trying to be a voice of calm in my own life and in the world, because if you allow the circumstances and the vibe that's bouncing around, if you allow, if you give them credibility, they can run your life. And so I'm trying to kind of breathe into the insanity yes. and, and realize it's not my job to fix it and to be who I am to the world and hopefully, you know, be just my one little statement of peace. Well said. Um, Thank you. It's going around, obviously. All of my clients are feeling the same way uh, that you are. It's very important that, uh, well, for instance, my father, I was speaking to him this morning. You know how much I love my father. He's a, he's a radical parent. I know. Oh, by the way, my mom was a radical left, liberal, hardcore parent as well. Well, I was speaking to dad about you. And um, I've never met your dad and I love him. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's from your communication about him. Yes. And he's a, a weed grower and he's a hippie and he lives in the woods and all this rad stuff. But but anyway, so I was speaking of you and he said um, he's an urban homesteader. And my father called himself a homesteader when he was a, hi a hippie. When he was a hippie in the 60s, he said we were homesteaders. And so uh, speaking to what you're saying homesteading is so therapeutic that's my connection and that's yes. my connection to sanity yes and that's what we're all doing right now 
And that's what's making it actually quite pleasant and tolerable is that if you can get into the vibration of homesteading, you're going to be okay. Well, what's really interesting about that, Heather, is that, you know, I'm in show business. I'm a freelancer in show business. So I've had crisis many times over, right? right. I, I've had financial crisis. I've had panic of existence. I've had all of that. So that homesteading vibe you're talking about, which is for me is gardening and I got chickens and, you know, building and that kind of stuff. I learned was my happy place. And when I can't deal, that's where I go to be in action, out of reaction and into a place that brings me joy. What I found really interesting is when the pandemic hit and people now were trapped in their homes looking for things to do, all of a sudden there was this big boom in gardening. Everybody's growing a garden. And I love that because I believe that there's something to the that concept, uh, airy-fairy concept of grounding where you need to walk barefoot in the dirt. I, I feel like there's so much about that that not only grounds us, but it makes us clinically health, healthier. Like you get less allergies because there are allergens in the dirt and the stuff you're dealing with. So you get minorly exposed to things that are in your environment that you then become healthier. It's the way we're supposed to be is that we interact with the earth. The earth takes care of us. And and so there's a reason why when we go to water, we feel peaceful. When we dig in the dirt, we feel peaceful. You know, when we have fresh air, we feel more peaceful. So I laughed that that was my go-to because I had own self-inflicted crises that predate the one that we're all sharing. I, I also said to my wife at one point, this, this pandemic and lockdown and, and financial crisis and all, you know, is really uncomfortable for the world, but I kind of feel okay because this one wasn't my fault. You know, so I'm like off the hook. It's like, okay, we got, okay. welcome to my world, you guys. You don't know what you're going to do in 13 weeks? Me neither. I haven't ever. It's very important, I think, for us to be very intimate with our journey of sort of, it, it, it's about acting locally and vibrating in a very intimate way. So, for instance, if you can just spread your love in a, in a quiet, intimate way, because there's nothing you can do about this giant hole of gnarly whatever that's going on out there, right? So for instance, I will pay for someone in the drive-thru behind me. I will uh, wish someone in a wheelchair to walk again. I will, you know, um, donate to my favorite charity, spend time with underprivileged children. You know, um, service is where it's at. So it's like, you know, if you spend time in service, you will feel better, right? Well, that is the other thing, that every time we feel discontent, uh, anxious, uh, angry, uh, resentful, depressed, those things is when our ego and self-concern and self-awareness become bigger than our awareness of the world around us. And the the thing that if you if you're prone to anxiety or anything, which I in my past had a propensity to, uh, you realize that that is based on your worldview shifting to you being bigger than the world and the world being smaller. Therefore, the responsibility is on you and you can't handle it. So the smaller you are, the more peaceful you feel. And the only way to access that is to be about something other than you. Like you Amen. just Amen. And what you don't realize is. You're not being of service. Being of service to something other than you isn't something you need to find time for because it's a chore, but it's the right thing to do. It's a gift you give yourself. 
your ego gets a boost, your whole immune system feels better. And you realize for a moment that there are things out there outside of your purview that are happening that aren't you, you didn't cause them, you're not responsible for them. And it's not about you. The smaller yes. I can make myself, the happier I am. It's the karmic flow too. It's just like, you know, um, small, small things matter. It's just how you treat other people is so very important. And it has to be organically from your heart that you care. And it's not about keeping score. And I think so many people care about keeping score. And that's what sort of repulses me about human nature is everyone's keeping score. And, and you know, in a I game mean, that there is no score. So this yes. is what you're hitting on is something that chopped in many different uh, workshops in different ways. But the best I can describe it is that when winning and losing, we as Americans and the world look at winning as a real positive thing. What I would like to suggest is that whenever one wins, someone loses. And in that loss is revenge and avenge because it's the primordial and perennial struggle between domination and submission, right? So if I win by making you lose, then next season in football, right? Next season, we got to beat them because they beat us last time. The counterintuitive way to be that is not in the human condition, and if we had time, I could explain why I feel this way, is to have resolution of things where both sides feel like they won. So we are so conditioned to say that if we play a game, there must be two sides to it. One side wins and one side loses. But what if the game is that the two sides have to walk away where they both feel fulfilled? They both feel heard. They both feel like they won. Therefore, from the game is extracted any reason to play the game again. There is no revenge. Yes. No best two out of three. You know what I mean? So that is counterintuitive because the human condition is driven by an animalistic and primordial predisposition to do one thing only, and that's to not die today. Right. What that forces us to do is fear anything that we don't understand for fear that it might make us die today. So rather than embrace strange things, we fear strange things until further investigation. And usually we kill it before we investigate because it's safer to do so. <laughs> right. So it is counterintuitive to, to transcend the human condition to the godlike condition which is all is good, all points of view can be heard. There is a possibility where two people who disagree can have enough love that they can resolve the disagreement in a way that both sides feels heard. Yes. So that leaves room for giving without emasculation. Yes. You know what I hate? I hate the phrase, I owe you one. I'm always saying, you don't owe me shit. You well, don't that's... owe me. The, the, that falls under conditional love. Yes. And we're conditioned to think that way as well. We're conditioned to think conditional. But I find that the purest, and this goes from ancient Jew, Jewish um, law. Okay. So. You know, I used to be Jewish. Listen, I think most of us were at something. <laughs> Um, and I continue to be, but um, there's a phrase, mitzvah. Mitzvot is the- I love mitzvah, I love that. Mitzvah is just a good deed, doing yes. a good thing. But, and I'm gonna, anybody who's like a, a devout Jew will tell you that I'm getting this all wrong. But the, what I 
gleaned from this is what I take. There are all kinds of mitzvot. You can do something and put your name on a building and that's, that's a good deed. You can do something where the whole community says to you, you know, Mark did this for us and God bless him. And that's a good deed. There's another level of good deed where you do something anonymously. That's a higher level of good deed. And even a higher level of good deed is when you do something that's good and people try to give you credit and you deny having done it. So the highest level of mitzvot, the highest level of good deed is completely unconditional, nor can it even be tied back to you that you did it because the point of the good deed was for good to be done, not for you to get credit for good to be done. Right? Not that there's anything wrong with having credit. I'm just saying there's a higher level of divorcing yourself from the thing that drives us, which is the need for me to feel that you think I'm awesome. And if you can divorce from that, you're the richest man on the planet. You have everything you want. You don't need anything from anyone else. You can only give. You just give and you just give and you just give. But we have egos, we have needs, we have insecurities. So hopefully somebody else is going to be unconditionally giving. And I get some of that too. So I want you to karmically analyze this issue I have right now. Okay. So I have a little problem with gambling. Like I adore, love gambling. It's yeah, not I like gambling too. I, I don't lose, like it's not like I'm addicted where I lose money and I'm on the outs in my life or anything. But like I love those scratchers that you get at 7-Eleven. So I, I will buy like 10 at a time. And then scratch away. And I love the feeling I get when I'm like, I could win this $5,000. You can lose 50, but you lo win five and that's the rush. Oh yeah, it's, an, it's so stupid and you never win. So anyway, but, but when I win, I save the tickets and then I put them on people's windows of their cars. And so then they get a, a, a winning ticket, right? When they get back to their car. So it's, I guess it's anonymous, but it's also in the vein of addiction to gambling. <laughs> so like, what is the karmic factor here? <laughs> well, what you have to look at, and I certainly, you know, listen, my credential is game show host. So everything I tell you is worth exactly. Well, yeah, but you're, you're my sage here. All right. So here's the thing. The gift of the winning ticket anonymously to someone else is a lovely thing. If you're doing it to reduce your carbon footprint, <laughs> that's a slippery slope. And I put this in a headier space. So rather than make it clearer, I'm gonna make it cloudier. Yes. There is bad behavior that we do. And what we do rather than correct the behavior is acknowledge and beat ourselves up for how wrong that behavior was. And somehow that zeroes out our carbon footprint. So in other words, if I have high cholesterol and I have a cheeseburger and I eat the cheeseburger going, this is so bad for me. I really shouldn't be doing this. This is horrible. I'm a terrible person. I feel horribly guilty about this burger that I'm stuffing in my face. Somehow in our mind, by acknowledging we've made a mistake, we've somehow zeroed out our footprint karmically, but it's not true. So the, the answer is, if it's bad for you and you're committed to it being bad for you, don't stuff it in your fucking face. Yes. Yes. So, so the giving of the gift that you give is a lovely thing, but the impetus for buying the ticket was a fix. It's negated. It wasn't, it wasn't because if you really wanted to give that ticket, that the $10 win, that right. $100 to get. Yes. 
hundred dollars would be more valuable to them than the ten. And put the hundred dollars on their windshield. What you're doing is you're spending ninety dollars for your fix of the rush of the gamble. Yes. Ten dollars of the, but it's okay because I give my winnings to the to the people. But if it were a hundred thousand dollar ticket that you won, you probably aren't going to put that on somebody's windshield, right? And and it's not wrong what you're doing and how you're feeling is not wrong. It's not a good or a bad, but. As a coach, which is the next thing I want to talk to you about as a business I'm kind of being forced to go into. Oh, cool. The job of the coach is to ask questions and to talk and to say, you know, nothing's wrong here. But what is it your what is your intention? If your intention is to use the lottery system to fund when you buy lottery tickets, you're giving to education in California. There are some good things that happen, right? Yes, yes, yes. yes. Those will argue that it's also a great way to tax the poor because we buy for hope. But what we have to do personally when we have a conundrum like this, am I in the right place karmically, is to ask ask ourselves the true intention of the action. And if the intention of the action is to get the fix of that gamble scratch and then to feel better because I'm giving away the money, then you got to really look and ask questions about what is it that I'm missing, that what is it that's empty that this fills, that the scratching. And And you know what? What? I already know this. We always, always. Ah. We just don't want to hear it. Exactly. Yeah. And it's okay to have things within your budget that are guilty cheap pleasures. Thrills. Cheap thrills. It doesn't matter if they're cheap or poor. The judgment is the problem. Yep. And the denial is the problem. So you can behave however you want, right? Right. Your self-judgment of that is, is detrimental. And when I say denial is when we behave a certain way under the guise of it being something else, yep. right? we're in danger. But when we call it out for what it is, I play poker. I play poker a lot. Mm-hmm. I never play beyond my budget, but I really enjoy the rush of it, the intellect of it. It is less of a gamble and more of a, of a, of a precise game but luck is involved and I feel all that rush and I, I, I love it. Do you go to those underground clubs? I have a game I used to go to before this pandemic that was- um, Oh yeah, it's probably not anymore. No, it's still going. Oh. Those people are going, I just am not. <laughs> and so I play legal, individually hosted tournaments for 20 bucks a tournament, right? Oh, but it cool. doesn't matter if it's a thousand dollars a tournament, as long as within my intention of what's my intention here right? Is my intention that I'm going to lie to myself to say, but I could get a windfall that's going to pay for my house. (laughs) Or can I be honest and say, look, this is a guilty pleasure where I escape the world and I play poker for four hours. You know, it's about intention. Tell me about the coaching. What are you talking about here? So, uh, and I love you and thank you for that. Yeah. Thank you. I think more, more healers should come forward with their, uh, uh, addictions and passions and 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 faults <laughs> well you know we are um we're human and we have really big insecurities and needs all the time right that we can deny as many religions will have you do or we can ask questions of ourselves of what is the the root of this, what is the root of the desire? Right. So that our our intention is clear. It's not that the desire is wrong, that not, you know, the 
the fetish is weird or what, as long as you're not hurting other people. But you have to take a moment to say, you know, what's my intention here? And if your intention is anything other than your own personal joy without anybody being hurt, then you got to look at what is, what's the hole you're filling, right? And it's not always a hole that you're filling. So anyway, to get back to this question <laughs> asked me, I, I became the host of Temptation Island 20 years ago. It came back as a fluke, which is a whole other spiritual thing that we may have talked about before. I, I may have created in my garden. I'm not sure. I remember. Yeah. And so uh, now I'm doing the show. And my intention going into the show was, I just want to be a good guy. I just want to host this show. I want them to cut me out of it, you know, as much as they can. So the show's not about me and the checks has come and I can just cruise this through. But let me stop you there. Why do you say that? That's not good. Well, that's not what has happened because while I say that with my mouth, it's obviously not my intention. And that's the other big distinction is that what we want is not our intention. What we be is our intention. Yes. Not what we think we are, not who we say we are, but what we're actually being is the intention. So yes. what you have is like, if you're going, my intention was to have this great career, but this is what I have. What you have is your intention. Yes, absolutely. You can switch your intention, but that's a whole other conversation. Yep. So I really didn't want to be famous. I didn't want to be inserted in the drama. I just wanted to facilitate the show in the way that got it ratings so that it would continue to pay my bills and I don't have to lift heavy things for money. So now we get on the show and it's this ridiculous, bizarre journey, right? And my role are the bonfires where we talk about stuff. We show them clips that stir up emotion and we talk about it. And there's really not a lot of script for that. So I start like, you know how you breathe into a reading before you start? Mm -hmm. I'm stirred up all day before we do this bonfire. And then when we do the bonfire, I'm completely peaceful and I'm in it. I forget there's TV and I'm in it with these individuals for whatever my intention becomes at that moment. So what, what happened now is that I'm not doling out advice, but I'm doing some coaching with these people to look beyond their significant others for answers for what was wrong with. I say to them at the beginning, you come here with these questions, you're going to get answers. All the questions are going to change because they're not going to be about your relationship. They're going to be about you. Mm -hmm. who you are because who you are and your relationship is a direct result of the intention that you have mm -hmm. in doing so i'd leave the bonfires and i'd have pas and crew and staff come up to me and go man i heard so much of what you had to say it really made a shift and then we find ourselves talking about their life and what's going on in their relationship as it relates to what we we're talking about so many people have said to me you need to be doing some coaching. Now, I have always laughed at personal life coaching businesses, although I've availed myself of them myself. I have coaches in my life that I go to regularly, uh, mentors and coaches to get myself together. And now I've just enrolled in this 10-week team thing where we're going to create some big possibilities for each other. It's just uh, my friend, Pat Finn, you know, Pat Finn, who is the host of uh, Shop to Drop. He's a game show yes, host. Yes, lovely person. So he has a, a company called Rubicon Results, and I'm doing a 10-week team with him. And in that, what I'm creating is some stuff for me, but I'll be part of everybody else's journey in creating the other 11 members of my team's big goals that they're uh, creating. Oh, my God. If I can help, tell me, let me know. I'll help in any way I can. Well, uh, thank you. It's great. What has come out of it is... Uh, possibility of me being available to people for coaching. 
executive oh. coaching, life coaching, personal coaching, whatever that is. You are incredibly like that is so you. Well, that's what I have been denying in my kind of false modesty and want for a small life. And, and here's the thing about the world. You can say, I want to be this. I want to be that. I want to be that. Who you are is always there. And the world tells you your name. The yeah. world tells you who you are. So I can say all day long that I don't want to do this. I want to do this. But if who I am is this, then I'm going to end up doing that. And it seems that right now in my life, what I have to share, there is some interest in hearing. So it goes back to being of service. I'm gonna, I'm gonna throw that out. This is the first time I'm speaking it in, in any public forum. So, this is fucking fantastic. Yeah. Oh my god, I love it. So tell, so are you available for consult for appointments? How do we find you? It's at the very beginning stages. I'm easy to find on uh, Twitter. Okay. Instagram, and if you DM me with interest, I will uh, certainly respond. And I'm Amazing. not, I'm not really looking to enroll or engage. It's not my main business. It's really, um, and literally if you're picking up what I'm laying down, then let me help you get to a place you want to be. Well, I mean, since the nineties, you've been helping me with my shit, you know, and vice versa. Oh my God. I'm here for you a hundred percent. If you want any help with any of it, I never have doubt about that. You know, I was, Obviously, we met when I was a casting director, and I never felt connected to that job. I, I always was um, sort of hurt by it. It was really hurt my soul because I'm such a, a sensitive girl, and it was a really intense job. And then I was always wanting to do what I organically know, which is psychic ability, and my husband, the Jewish guy <laughs> at the time, my husband at the time, uh, gave me the luxury of trying it out. And when I started, I did one person, I read one person, and from that one person, I was referred to another person. And from there, it was like, it just exploded. And I've never stopped. So it, it's the God in the universe wants you to do it, you know? My wife is a mentor to me as well. And so she, she does all the homework and she reads and reads and reads. And then she talks and talks and talks. And I roll my eyes and roll my eyes, but I, it sinks in. So I, I'm like our own kids where we go, oh, dad, shut up. I don't need to hear that. And then you see them acting exactly what we told them. So my wife has been that for me. She's been really the portal for me. And so I have atrophied the discipline of going and reading a book, taking notes and, and getting the information. So she does that. I hear it and I get it stuck in my head. Mm. What, what I'm getting to is that she listens to Deepak Chopra and I too have meditated through his 21 day challenge and things like that. And he says, don't work hard, work easy. And I love that. And so if you switch your, if you switch your thinking folks from process equals results uh, to intention equals results the world and the universe wants the easiest flow of you to your greatest self yep and and i'll use god and if it turns you off i'll use god then replace it with whatever you feel is a higher power to you because yep. my my definition of god is a whole other podcast but let's pretend for a moment let's play a game for a moment that the world and the universe god wants the easiest, happiest, joyful, most joyful life for you. Wants whatever your purpose is to be fully expressed. 
Okay, and anything in the way of that is you swimming upstream. The river is flowing. The river of intention flows. And that's not to say that you don't find rocks in the way and you have to swim a little left and the right. When you're flowing in the right direction, when things are rolling the way it, your intention is demanding, then things move out of the way for you. And when you're not, no matter how much you dry erase board, your vision board, and write down your steps to create success, you're not going to get there. If you're knocking your head against the wall, you're not going to knock your head through the wall. You may. I just say you have to just sit in quiet confidence that it already happened. Well, that's a, a wonderful languaging of what I'm saying. That's that, <laughs> Oh, no, it's, and, and words are very important. That's what Robbie's taught me. Don't ever say I will or I want you to say I, it is. Yes. Thank you now for all those, what, what is the phrase she says? She says, uh, uh, thank you for all the wonderful things that you're, everything thank you for everything that's wonderful, that's wonderful that are about to happen <laughs> or, is already, or, or that you've already planned for me. The, the fact of the matter is we got to get out of our own way. To think that the linear path that you have created is the path to greatness is to deny the element that's necessary for greatness, which is a spiritual, illogical leap that happens in the realm of possibility that we need to access. You're athletes, so, you're athletes so made for this, my friend. Thank you. You're so made for this. Now, what about making it a TV show? I mean, that's so easy for you. It's not so easy to do anything on TV because TV- Hey, cancel, clear, delete. Cancel, clear, delete that thought. Well, here's what I'll say about that. As soon as I get, into creating it as a TV show, it brings up for me a lot of negativity in that process. What I'm playing with and I'm finding success with is that if I stay in this, the purest, simplest form of a, an idea, where it goes and how it reaches those people that need to hear it is not for me to choose. So the answer is yes and. TV show, terrific. Podcast, terrific. Speaking tour, terrific. One-on-one, -on -one, terrific, right? I don't really have to figure out or plan or create the portal or vessel if my intention is clear. If I'm working towards being the best coach I am and to putting it out there in the most clear intention, if I'm on the right path, it will reach the most people. And if it's a television show, then it'll be a television you know what I see psychically? Tell me. All of the above. And why not? Within two years. Okay. I'll, I'll sign up for that. I love it. Within two years. It. It's, it's actually, not to say you don't make action plans. I'm just saying, it's, and I know that you're going to roll your eyes at this, but there's a, when I speak to groups, there's one quote I misquote because I I heard it somewhere rather than read it. But I use this quote as the start of it, that it's from Hamlet. And the quote is, there are more things in heaven and earth than are dreamt of in your philosophy. Meaning, when you have an idea of what you want to do, I want to have a TV show where I'm the this, that, and the other. Your highest level of imagination doesn't even get close to what actually happens in the spiritual world of possibility. And I could prove that out if I had another hour with all the greatest successes in my career, and we'll just keep it in just that realm, 
that were logically impossible the way that they happened, so including, and he called it 10 at night and finding out that a pilot had just hired, fired their host and I was five minutes away from that studio and I came over at 10 at night to host a pilot for a network television show that ended up airing in 30 countries. Oh, I love that. It's the accessing what we don't know and trusting that there's a much bigger imagination than you can even come up with. So even if you imagine the greatest possibility for your creation is probably not gonna happen. There are many ways that this can happen that make no sense. And that's where the good stuff lies. That's where the magic is. It's all synchronistic. And our meeting was synchronistic. Our longtime friendship is synchronistic. I'm talking to the next Tony Robbins, I know this. Well, I should be so uh, honored to be in the name of that, being in a sentence with people like uh, Tony Robbins and Deepak and all the people who really have spent a life about transforming lives. Um, I've been reluctant. I've been taking that transformation and applying it here. And at this point in my life, um, it looks like I'm being called to share what I know. I love it. Tell me about Temptation Island. How do we find you? Uh, USA Network, February 16th. Um, all sorts of chatter and stuff on uh, Twitter and Instagram. So if you want to follow me or follow at Temptation TV, uh, there's all sorts of clips and fun stuff. And you know, it's so funny, the show, um, when it airs, ends up feeling and looking when I watch it, I watch it as though I'm watching a reality show now. And so I take it with a grain of salt and we sort of look at the people as not real people. But what is important is that as crazy as the show is, who I am being in it is as honest as I know how to be. Um, and, and, I, and I always laugh because when it's over and I see people who seem to be enemies ended up having friendships later down the road, I realize I may be the most gullible person in the process, but it's a very intense emotional journey that I buy 100% and um, really throw myself into. And, and that's what ends up on the camera. And luckily my shit gets cut down to three or four minutes an episode or it would just be the most boring lecture you ever saw. But you, know, you gotta have some people you know, banging it out and making out and making mistakes in between me trying to be a sage. I'm grateful that the show has offered me a place to really in the most, this is a perfect example of what I'm talking about. There's no logic that says Temptation Island is the place where I get to be my most authentic self. But you know what? You told me that one time. You said if you're your authentic self, you know, then you will you will have success. And I always was really nervous and this and that in the beginning. And and then one day it just clicked. And I said, if I'm just me, if I'm authentic, if I'm no bullshit, if I talk about everything with candor, then I'm gonna be relaxed. And every all the doors have started to open for me ever since I started to just be me. When we aren't wanting from other people, mm -hmm. we get everything. Yeah. When our vibe is want, we get nothing. Mm -hmm. It goes from the laws of attraction. So you can go to the book, The Secret on this one, or you can look at Russell Simmons and talk about what he talks about. And you can talk uh, 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 Michael Beckwith from Agape. All yeah, these yeah. people say the same thing. So it's a natural energy. So here's the thing in relationship. If you love yourself first, you are attractive to other people. Yeah. Right. We don't want anything taken from us in sales. When you first come on as a salesman, I was a shoe salesman when I was 17, 18, 19 years old, and I was a killer. <laughs> oh, 
not even fair. I, I weighed 120 pounds. I was like a, a blue eyed Q-tip with a Southern accent and I could sell anybody shoes. I love it. But the trick in sales is you don't want anyone to, you don't want to sell anybody anything. They want to buy something from you. Mm-hmm. So it's not about selling. It's about enrollment, showing a possibility for somebody that they want to elect to have something. So when we want something from someone, it immediately makes people go back to that human condition of don't die today. What are you trying to take from me? When we are in a place, an authentic place of not needing or wanting anything from you, mm. it's attractive and mm. people want to support you. And so I play a game, which in any other context would be a manipulation, but it isn't. So I play a game like at the airport. This is my favorite place to do it. People are in line to go check in and there's always drama. I want, I need, I want, I need, I want, I need. And the listening of that on the other side of the counter is, oh, here comes another fucker, right? I, as a joke, come up the counter every time and I go, good morning, travel professionals. (laughs) Now, immediately I get eye rolls and, oh my God, dad joke guy, whatever. But in that sentence, what I have said to you is, you are a professional in your job and I don't know anything about it. Thank you for being that person. I couldn't do what you're doing. What happens is a shift of me not wanting anything. I gave first, right? And the shift is I have now told them like Jedi mind trick. They now try to show me how they can manipulate the computer to give me shit I don't even need. You know, I see you're sitting in this row. Let me put you here. There's more leg room. Because I said to you, you're the travel professional. I endowed you by giving you the name of your power and you loved it. And now you're going to show me how powerful you are. Oh, I got my tricks. <laughs> so that's just one little. I got some fun ones. But you know what the, the biggest trick is? Kindness. Kindness in this form. Let's be even more specific. Kindness is from your heart. But this is the preach I've been preaching lately. Everyone wants to be seen and heard. Yep. So the kindness, if you want to take the shotgun of kindness and laser it down to a laser, it's my kindness is going to be actualized by making sure you know I see you and I hear you. The more you can unconditionally love, the more chances that you're going to get unconditional love in return. Always. But don't let that be a condition. Give everyone love, always. You ever get into... I'll leave you with the last thing. I always say that. Yes. Because I feel like this is the biggest metaphor of it all. It's not a metaphor. It's the truth. We sit here, it looks like two individuals. One really beautiful and the other um, hiding his gray. Um, Anyway, people see us as individual people. Just like when you go to a forest... You see each tree as an individual tree in the forest. But there is a scientific fact that in a hundred mile forest, if the east side of the forest gets a disease, right, the chemical makeup of trees on the other side of the forest will change to protect itself from the disease spreading all the way across. So while we look like individuals, like trees, the forest itself is one organism of connection. And that to me is kindergarten level understanding of how you can look at people on the planet like there's space in between us. 
But beneath that and above that and in between that, there is no space because we are one organism called humanity. Mm-hmm. And so it, it would be like you lopping off a finger. Right. Right? That's what war is, is lopping off a finger of your humanity. I love Using it. what part of your forest is healthy and what isn't. And it just isn't like that. I love that. That's so beautiful. I wish it was mine. I took it from something that Robbie read and I remembered and I can't even tell you who I heard it from. So I love it. And how long have you been married? Uh, 150 years. In- <laughs> I think you're such a great example for love. How many, how many years? 33. 33 years. Holy shit. When did you get married? I was four. Um, <laughs> I got married two. <laughs> I got married two weeks before my 25th birthday, unemployed and broke. With no plan. I love that. Yeah. Okay, so all you guys out there who don't believe in marriage anymore, you know what? Get married. I like being married. It's fun. Hey, you do you is what I say. Yeah, you do you. That's true. That's true. You, you can have a piece of paper. You cannot have the piece of paper. The one thing I will say is to those who are in beyond 30, 40 years old and are saying they want to get their shit together before they get married, not the best idea. <laughs> The idea is to have your shit not together. Right. Then you get married. And then as your shit is together, it's a shared shit. Yes. And then well, you don't get to the point of it's my stuff and her stuff. And I, and then that divorce. I had nothing. I still have whatever I got, but everything I have is ours. There's no hers or mine. So, you know. Do you know that we could talk for like five hours? Yeah, you got to say goodbye. I swear to God, I don't know like when we could ever stop talking. That's my coaching problem is that I'm going to charge by the hour, but I'm going to go over. So you're going to get a lot of free. (laughs) Do you know I go over every time? I go, we're, I go. We're going to go a little over. That's like my line every time. We're going to go a little over. Hope you cut this down to. uh... (laughs) There's nothing to cut. You're genius. I love you. I adore you. I appreciate that you called me and asked me to be part of this. Thank you for letting me ramble on. Thank you. And um, so when do we watch? Did, did I ask you when we watch your show? Yeah, if we keep talking, it'll be airing live right now. <laughs> uh, February 16th, I think, is what they've told me. Okay. Right around Valentine's Day. Okay, and you guys hit him up for coaching. He's amazing. Yeah, you can, you know, uh, I'm, uh, let's see, Mark L. Wahlberg, at Mark L. Wahlberg on Insta and at Mark Wahlberg on on Twitter or vice versa. Just make sure there's no H because I don't think he wants the coaching business, the other Mark Wahlberg. (laughs) Thank you. I love you. I love you. If you liked today's episode, please leave me a rating and review and don't forget to subscribe. Thank you for listening. For more info about me, visit my website at heatherobble.com. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.